today I am joined by Dr. Suzanne Martin, and I'm so pleased to be talking with um, you today. Suzanne, thank you again for making some time for us. Um, Suzanne is um, the founder of Pilates Therapeutics, which is an educational company, um, and I'm looking at her website right now. I love it. says, Illuminate, Motivate, and Alleviate, and I think that's just so wonderful. The first time I was exposed to um, Suzanne's work was her through her scoliosis DVD, and, and I know for Pilates teachers, especially in the beginning, scoliosis can be so overwhelming and complex and tricky of an issue, and I, I know that the, the, the information that you provided, Suzanne, was so helpful um, in furthering my ability to work with students with scoliosis. Suzanne also offers a lot of continuing education via DVDs and also specialty programs. I'm not going to get into that a whole lot right now, but we'll definitely provide Suzanne's website and information at the end of the interview for you. So Suzanne, thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure. Um, I was recently reading, you had sent out a, a note about a specialty program that you're doing on scoliosis, and I was really impressed by how you presented the information because it, it it's not always clear sometimes when we get uh, information, emails, etc. Et about a program, you know, people inviting us to participate but the email that was sent out was so very clear in terms of why you were doing the the scoliosis program and and why it was relevant and pertinent to you and i just really thought that was such a nice touch because i got to know something about you which makes me more likely to want to get involved and learn from you you came to movement if i'm not mistaken through um not came to movement, but to teaching um, therapeutically through an injury uh, while dancing uh, in grad school. Can you talk a little bit about how that desire to heal yourself and others has really been a thread that's carried through your career or, you know, how you got started? Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, you know, I... <clears throat> just like most people, you know, they, they go along and uh, they do a lot of athletic things and a lot of things when you're young and you just think you're invincible. <laughs> and, you know, and then I was in a performance where, you know, I, I jumped high and somebody pulled me down really fast because I was with a partner and I didn't get my feet underneath me and I, I really bounced hard off the stage. Ouch. As a matter of fact, a lot of people afterwards were like, are you okay? Are you okay? And, you know, of course, at the time, you're all full of adrenaline, which yeah. is a great pain reliever. <laughs> and, uh, you know, um, I, I just assumed I was okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, then it wasn't really until later that I started to get back spasms and pain and mm -hmm. my teacher sent me to an osteopath, you know, who was kind of infamous in my area. She's passed away now. But she helped me out, but she was super mysterious. She, you know, <laughs> I hate to admit this, she would say things to me like, oh, your feet are kind of flabby for a dancer. And I was like, <laughs> okay, what does that mean from this little old lady, you know, uh -huh. who's like looking at me with these wizened eyes and mm. um, all strange. And But, you know, so, so and I went to, to doctors, even though I didn't like have like super great health care because I was a student, you know, I really tried to see, okay, is something wrong? Because actually what happened after that, too, is I literally was carried out of dance classes because my back started spasming when I would do combres, which are like big arches. Right. Um, I mean, I'm 
I almost like lived on uh, moist heat packs for a long time. And, you know, and unfortunately I had to, you know, make a living. And so just by exercising and going into more of fitness, I got stronger. Mm-hmm. And then when I got into Pilates um, at the St. Francis Hospital, actually Michelle Larson came and did a thing on scoliosis. And I realized that that was like my, my issue. Uh-huh. Along with some hypermobility, I think I, um, I definitely have had an unstable spine, and that's why I've gone into teaching about all this, is that, uh, you know, just that people who are have some natural flexibility, lots of times people self-select and dance because they have natural flexibility, right. along with the acquired flexibilities that we get mm-hmm. in dance training. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so I, I needed a lot of stability, and... Uh, you know, just like regular fitness things weren't a good venue. I'm small. I don't fit into weight machines real well. It was mostly <laughs> adapted toward men at that time. Mm-hmm. So Pilates was a great fit. And, and so I just decided to keep going to learn about it. And um, and so I was always doing all kinds of, uh, you know, mat cl- other kinds of mat classes. I went into Le Bon work, Le Bon Sentimentals, mm-hmm. Selma Christ. I was looking at all of those things. Mm-hmm. But Pilates started to <clears throat> pull me together, you know, that uh-huh. I didn't realize that in a lot of ways that I do need flexibility, but I needed a lot of strength uh-huh. that I didn't understand. Right. Because you're young and strong, you know, right. so mm-hmm. on a certain level. So, yes, it started my quest. And, and then I went into uh, physical therapy school, and I was just you know, fascinated by the things I was learning in neurology and the internships, especially one that I did, um, which is called hippotherapy, which is with horses. Uh And uh, so that actually is a lot of um, where I learned how you can use uh, writing reflexes to help the spine to straighten up. Uh, You know, so I just little by little, I kept putting things together. Uh Uh, Writing, like R-I-D, writing? No, like R-I-D. R I G H T. So, so that when you're um, when you're born, you're supposed to be born hardwired with <clears throat> some of these reflexes. Uh-huh. And so, when you you know when you actually evaluate kids with cerebral palsy, it's really frightening. They can't figure out where upright is. Uh-huh. And so, this is a major problem. So, there's certain neurological tricks if you're okay. Because one of the things I saw in hippotherapy was with these kids with cerebral palsy that had basically no upright under, understanding where vertical was. Uh-huh. And you put them on a horse and you push uh, the horse's pelvis up against um, the pelvis of a child with, without, a, um, without a, a horse saddle but without a blanket. Uh-huh. And then it helps them to, to go bypass the brain and to use the spinal cord reflexes to actually help the straightening of the, of the spine. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, it, I, if I hadn't seen it with my own eyes, I think I would have, I would never believe it. Wow, that's wild. <laughs> yeah, it was freaky. So, you know, so that's that's why, you know, I feel like that's the basis of all our balance point work. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, and so I, uh, so that's why, you know, in, just like with my clients, I take my clients on lots of times as a commitment. Uh-huh. Um, Rather than, and so with my specialization programs, it's the same thing. I have like very small groups, and and that's where I feel like I can really kind of transmit a lot of the information. Although, I, you know, I want to just keep trying to spread the word as much as I can. Yeah. You know, for whatever level somebody wants to find out about it. Right. Oh, awesome. Very cool. And so you went on to, you have a master's in physical therapy and a doctorate in physical therapy. I mean, you just kept going. Um, right. And and so 
how, as you progressed in, uh, as a physical therapist, how did you continue to integrate um, Pilates and then, you know, begin, you, you have these wonderful spe- specialization programs and, you know, you've developed, I think it was in 2004, you started the Pilates Therapeutics um, what, you know, what was it that kept driving you to incorporate Pilates or how, how did you, you know, how did you do that and then end up where you are now in terms of, you know, all of this, this kind of, and you have a practice still, I understand, and you're right. doing this, um, really amazing other thing and, and offering, uh, you know, all of us teachers, such a wonderful resource. How did, how did that come together over the years? Well, actually, um, Pilates Therapeutics started more like in 2001, and uh-huh. I came out with my first DVDs in, at that time mm-hmm. on the upper core and the pelvic core, and those are actually still my my bestsellers. Mm-hmm. So uh, so I started, you know, because I knew there was a need for a therapeutic application of Pilates. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, I, I, um, I got my doctorate more in 2006, but I got my uh, master's in physical therapy in 1997. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but but what happened is I, I decided that I I forced myself by teaching to start to develop these ideas. Mm-hmm. And then as I got more into a, a doctoral level and was starting to come out with my other um, DVDs on scoliosis, uh, you know, I got more association with the National Scoliosis Foundation with uh, the, the SOSORT, which is the Society of um, Scoliosis Orthopedic Rehabilitation Therapy. It's more European-based. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and everybody knows about the Schroff technique, but, the, but SOSORT's actually a more comprehensive uh, view at, uh, at conservative or non-surgical um, application of, of things. But so I've always, you know, had this real connection to Pilates because it basically saved my life, you know. Uh, yeah. So... So that's why I always wanted to keep a tie on it. And also, I, you know, I had a practice in Pilates way before I went to PT school because, I mean, I started working with people privately around 1987. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I actually kept my Pilates practice all during physical therapy school. Uh-huh. Uh, so then I had a, a combination practice. I had some already had some clients that I had as regular clients that weren't necessarily physical therapy clients. And then I um, became a, an in-house therapist for a ballet company because dancers get lots of injuries. Yeah. And so you can, we call it sort of the knife and gun club in some ways, that, <laughs> you know, that they, they have so many things that you see a lot of different types of injuries. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. of course, you know, Pilates, in, when I first learned it, was dance medicine. Right. I mean, so to me, since I've been a long-time dancer, you know, I got my first degree in dance, uh, you know, my first baccalaureate, I think, and I hate to tell you how old I am, it was like, <laughs> like 1976. Uh-huh. So it's, you know, I, so to me, that's always been sort of the same thing is that, you know, that a person needs active work and passive work. Uh-huh. I mean, I went and did a lot more development of, of, I developed my manual skills, which are more of almost like soft tissue work with uh, visceral manipulation, mm-hmm. uh, strain counter strain, which works on recalibrating kind of nerve tension. And all of that actually works really well for um, body work for people with scoliosis because it doesn't like uh, crack them real hard, uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. um, and for hypermobile people. But, uh, but people need the active component, you right. know, and so you, I don't think you can do one without the other. And so to me, yeah, since I came from more of the aesthetic world, mm-hmm. uh, that I kind of didn't understand just sort of the kind of uh, um, kind of like one plane 
orientation of a lot of orthopedics. Yes. Uh-huh. But I understood like the diagonals and images and things that come along with dance. So uh-huh. for me, it was always a natural to stay associated with the movement world. Right. And so Pilates was the perfect fit. Yeah, I mean, I, and, you know, the thing that's great about Pilates is even when somebody's, like, post-operative and they have to be really fragile, mm-hmm. it can really support them real well. And then, you know, and then for the people who do want to do, you know, and that's why I always promote robustness, really, um, with your, your the end of your scoliosis training is you always try to do, like, big, fun stuff. Yeah. And uh, so Pilates helps you to get the proper conditioning to do those more functional tasks. Uh-huh. Wonderful. Um, how I, this is not something that we had kind of that I had planned on asking, but I'm curious now that I know that you you know you've branched off into this educational component and and you still maintain a, a private practice working with students. What how how's that been for you? Has that been challenging? Has it been um, integral and and um, you know, my own experience of moving into different expanding directions as a teacher um, is that it has been challenging to maintain my own practice with my students and to branch off and try to explore and develop, um, you know, more of an educational component. But I've also felt like I can't really have this secondary thing without being um, you know, hands-on and one-on-one. Um, can you speak to that a little bit about how that's been for you in terms of maintaining um, your private practice and, you know, developing more of the educational component? Yeah, well, the thing is, is I decided a long time ago to sidestep the initial certification process for Pilates. Uh-huh. That I'm in continuing education for people who already have first-line training. Uh-huh. And that this is, you know, and that, um, you know, so... I really prefer people who, and that's why there's an application process for my, you know, mentoring specialization programs is because that, you know, I want to make sure people have some background. Uh-huh. And and frankly, sometimes even people come that have maybe are kind of more fresh off the boat in Pilates, but have a big background in other things like uh, even just somebody came last year that was, uh, that had a big career in in like just social services, you uh-huh. know, so somebody who understands kind of more of the somat, you know, kind of the touchy feely aspect of right. this kind of work. Uh-huh. Um, so, and so, I don't have people who are with me side by side every day. So, I the hallmark of my practice is one on one work. So, uh-huh. in other words, people aren't welcome to just come and observe all the time. Uh-huh. This is not an open clinic. This is a private practice. Mm-hmm. So uh, when my um, when the mentees do come, it's you know I that's why I have both a, a, a distance component of it so that right. people can see my DVD in initial teachings ahead of time, uh-huh. and then we meet for this four day time and I actually bring them into a public forum and show them how I interface with the public. Uh, uh-huh. um, so there's you know three aspects. You know, there's a number of aspects to that. Uh-huh. And, and definitely, and during that time, too, they're, they're asking me about how they can work with different clients, and I'm giving them um, advice on that. Right. And then lots of times people will come with their own problems, you know. Sure. Um, which has happened a number of times, and I wind up, you know, offering to work with everybody who's here, because usually <laughs> people have to, you know, that's one reason why we're usually all drawn to this work. Yeah. And and then also um, somebody came last year who had a very specific client who was trying to 
avoid surgery in the young boy. Uh-huh. And so we were able to get him connections medically um, and to see what kind of difference could be made. Right. Just some of the things that, you know, she was working with with him. And it, it was a successful. I can't say it always is, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, but so there's, there's different ways to do it. But unfortunately, this I don't have an open clinic. So a lot of people do want to come and just observe or they just want to come and hang out. And unfortunately, it's not, I'm not really set up like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, sounds like the one-on-one work that you do, I mean, that really what you're I mean, and I'm I just gleam. You can correct me certainly if I'm wrong, but that your vision really is to empower teachers or practitioners to be more successful in a, in a hands-on way by showing them um, how you interact and how you work with with students, rather than just providing, you know, education for them to kind of do with what they will. I mean, I, I realize that that is a component in terms of the DVDs and the distance learning, but that when you get into, you know, the, the specialization programs that, you know, you're really there as a, as a concrete example about how to work with, um, students, not theoretically, but, but, you know, tangibly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I asked them to do a, you know, video with somebody and that way I can see how they interact with the client, give them feedback about that. Uh, uh, you know, and, and, you know, uh, a lot of things, yeah, placements where you're sitting and, um, you know, just speech patterns, a lot of things. Yeah, so you go you go into more of the, the rich details of, of interacting with a with a, a client or a student rather than just um, observing how they're delivering the technique. Right. Uh-huh. Right. That's 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 a because that's a big part of um, you know, with scoliosis, the breast cancer, these things are like really critical that you that, you know, we all figure out the best way to try to empower the client, you know, yeah. it, it, it has to do a lot with, you know, it's not that you have to be their psychologist, right? but, you know, just that um, to understand more of the psychosocial aspect of where they're coming from, a lot yeah. of times they're embarrassed because they feel like they have a physical deformity, right. um, sometimes they're just frightened, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes they're in pain and um, are frightened just by that, and mm-hmm. So, uh, and, you know, there's a lot of things to consider. Yes. Right. Of course. Um, if you, if you could summarize or if you could, um, articulate what your teaching vision has been, um, or what it is now and, and perhaps how it's changed in terms of what's been the, your kind of underlying mission or the, 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 greatest goal or desire for you in terms of why you teach and why you do what you do, what would you say that is and, and has it shifted greatly over time or is it the same? You know, it, that, it's really interesting that you would say that because, uh, I, you know, I talk about this in my workshops and you, you, you know, you, you noticed it when I had those, you know, three little mission words. Uh-huh. It's all about giving control back to somebody mm-hmm. who feels like they're that their body's out of control, that their life's out of control, and, like, why did this happen to me? And I'm really confused about it. Uh-huh. And so I really, um, so a lot of it is that the more kind of knowledge that we have physically and biomechanically and how people respond to illnesses, the more we tell them about it. So this is what I 
talk about the illumination and then motivation and tell them, look, there's always a plastic component to some of this. There's some of this that we can change. Right. There's some of the, the discomfort, the actual aesthetics, the, uh, the, you know, there's many things that, that there's a good percentage that we can change. And then that way it, it empowers them. It gives them some control back to their life when you have a, a, lots of times a bunch of medical people coming at you and, and then blaming you for right. it. Or, like I was blamed for my hypermobility, <laughs> or, um, which happens a lot um, in dance. Uh-huh. And so you don't know what to do with that information. Right. I mean, just, am I just a bad person? You know, am I just doomed to hell? So, and, and then, you know, then it also helps, the, you know, the, the teacher, this, the mentee and stuff, because then they feel like they can actually give something to somebody, Yeah, you know, and you teach them. So it's a lot about um, teaching a, a client self-management, uh-huh. but then it also helps a lot because, you know, we all need like an outside set of eyes to help us. I mean, I even have to go to my people to help me out, yeah. right? Yeah, of course. And so... I, this is to me. It's it's like forming an advocacy with your clients. So yeah. That's what I mean by taking them on as a commitment. Yes. And and then not getting like either frustrated with them that they just don't get better, but keep helping them to understand or just a little bit day by day to accept and to feel more in control mm-hmm. of what they can do mm-hmm. about that particular situation. Yeah. Yeah, so that's I, what I mean by alleviation. Lots of times, it's it's not physical, you know, it's mental and emotional. Uh huh. But um, so it's it's just more comprehensive. Yeah, I really love that too because I um I'm a I'm a big uh, fan and I teach this a lot to my teachers. You know, and it comes in so many different forms, but of of really having the relationship, the student teacher relationship, or whatever that we call it being a mutual, you know, of mutual responsibility that I am making a commitment and an agreement to help my student achieve their goals and to educate them and incite them, but in turn, empowering the student to to get curious and to take on responsibility themselves, that it's not just about them showing up and me fixing them, quote unquote, or, you know, making them better or you know, but that it is, it's a mutual responsibility and, and we can make this, um, you know, this relationship, uh, uh, centered around the student and not just centered around our, you know, us and our ability, but about, you know, sharing this as a path that we're walking together. And I, I think, you know, any way that we can do that. And, and I love the way that you're talking about it in terms of illuminating and motivating and motivation, I think is such a, a key component of our success and our students' success, and we don't always know how to do that. I mean, it can, yeah. it can be very tricky, um, and it's certainly one of the one of the elements of teaching that I think, um, you know, we we can we can be most taught through a mentoring or an apprenticeship. That you know, it doesn't always happen anymore. Those relationships between a mentor and a and a mentee, but back when Pilates was coming up, uh, for me, you know, in the early nineties, it was much more of that relationship of working, like you're saying, in a, in a intimate relationship with somebody who could, who you could watch and, you know, mimic and understand and see, you know, what insights they had to offer. I just think it's, it's so much harder for teachers to get that these days, you know, because we're, we're doing trainings, you know, in, in a weekend or in a day or, 
you know, we're just going in for the training and then leaving. We're not really always getting that opportunity to work closely with somebody who's been doing it and has that experience. So I, I really appreciate, um, I appreciate your, your vision and your point of view. Yeah. And, um, and the way I set it up too, is that, like I said, they have kind of that four day intensive usually with them. And, and actually, I, I, you know, I definitely do some other, you know, smaller workshops around, mm-hmm. but, uh, because, you know, in the kind of practice I have, I might have one person coming in one hour for Pilates. I might have a new person coming in the next hour that's going to be crying all over themselves. Right. And, you know, right. and I yes. have to ask them to strip. So it's like, you know, not always great to have, um, you know, um, another person around. Uh-huh. But it's really worked out fabulously. As a matter of fact, this is, I would say that, you know, this, um, you know, this mentoring program I have is, is like, been the highlight of my whole teaching uh-huh. I've taught in a lot of different situations uh-huh. wonderful and the mentoring um, is that is that within the four days that you're talking about is that a longer term commitment that you're well, talking about well the thing about? is is that um, the actual specialization program starts with the distance learning so I mean I'm actually interacting with people already uh-huh. usually uh-huh. you know because then they're watching me on DVD and they're seeing these questions and lots of times they'll they'll ask me things about it you know so this is starting an initial relationship Mm-hmm. So then once they get here for, like, the four-day intensives, then, you know, they already have some idea of who I am and can you can get past the surface a little bit. Right. Um, and like I said, and during that time, too, I bring them out to, a, like, a you know, a couple of dance studios and we give a, a, like a public kind of forum and wrap it up. But then after that, then there's another uh, few months where they're working on a project and uh-huh. I'm talking with them still. Right. See what I mean? Yes. So mm-hmm. it goes on for a while in sort of different settings. Uh-huh. So that um, so that they'll have a better understanding of more of the whole kind of process, or you know, see more than just okay, this exercise is just where you breathe into the chest and then down into the abdomen. Right, you know? right, right. Uh huh. Um, one of the things I had wanted to um, talk about, and we've talked about um, a little bit, uh, is what you know your vision obviously as a teacher how how you um are infusing that into the curriculum that you continue to develop um, as you you know as you continue to expand um your offerings uh and the way you've developed you know as we were just talking about your mentoring program um how how does that infuse your decisions as t- in terms of what you you know what you are continuing to develop or what you're planning to develop? Well, um, what I'm planning to develop, uh, you know, I I really uh, you know I've expanded out to you know beyond um, scoliosis and breast cancer to the foot, which is just another sort of extrapolation for imbalances. And then also just the performing arts and dance, because you know, so I've been so involved with that. So my my vision is is just to um, is to is to really keep consolidating the whole idea of of me trying to find more individuals who to, to leave a legacy. I mean, this is like more of my mission at this point, right. is to to add value to other to other people in this field so they continue it because the incredibly large vision. Is that healthcare, especially in this country, is really um, 
is is difficult to access. Yes. Uh-huh. And uh, and you know to go specifically into uh, to get maybe um, fifteen or twenty minutes with a physical therapist who gives you a kind of a basic evaluation and then you go off and do a couple of exercises. I mean, lots of times my that you know would. The Pilates instructors are the ones who spend time with people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of times I'll make more discoveries with people in a longer session with someone so I can actually see what their movement strategies are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the vision is to give like a, a richer or more in-depth experience with the client and for the because the client really, I mean, even if they're thinking they're working on imbalances, they're really working on physical issues that will likely give them some sort of problem down the line uh-huh. or they came to you because it is giving them a problem. Right. And it's not considered a medical issue yet or they've already been discharged from medical issues or, or that it doesn't exist within the medical paradigm right. that, that rehabilitation occurs. And uh-huh. so this is, you know, definitely post-surgically with a lot of spine surgeries um, uh-huh. and definitely, um, you know, after breast cancer, like these things are not the usual route. Right. And and, and, lots, and lots of times as a polite instructor, you have clients that suddenly get these conditions and you want to know how to support them. Right. Mm-hmm. So to me, it fits into like the whole medical care because it just, it takes a village. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's honestly, you know, you just, I mean, that was my experience. I was going to have to do a lot more than what was on the surface. Yes. Uh, and I think that, you know, Pilates, and I think the gym is great, but I think that, you know, it's at a different level, and it's great if some people want to rehab that way. And I think yoga is different because Pilates works on movement aspects, and everybody wants to move. I mean, who right. doesn't? Uh huh. Yeah. So I think it fits into like the larger medical scheme. So mm. I mean, this is one way of my kind of con- con- contribution into like the medical world because I think it's the Pilates instructors are spending more time with people. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly. I mean, I don't know how. I mean, if I had to guess possibly 60% of the students that we see in my studio are coming to us after, um, after physical therapy. And, and, you know, they, most of them do, what's that? That's kind of frightening. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, and, and it's, it's, as you said, I mean, most of them are having some kind of pain related to, um, you know, post-injury, post-surgery, and they they haven't kept up on their exercises or they, you know, they show us the exercises. We have the, the sheet that they've, you know, been given and it's just not adequate, you know, yeah. and, and we do end up spending so much time re-teaching, you know, getting them to, to learn about how their body is moving and then helping them to understand and to strengthen and to, it, I mean, it's really... I mean, it feels like such a gift to be in a role where we can spend that time. Um, exactly. But it, it it is it is a little frightening. I mean, I don't. It's sixty percent. I mean, it might be a little bit more. I mean, it's really. I mean, it's really crazy. Um, but and it, it's really difficult, and it's, it's. I think it's hard on physical therapists. You know, they they have to do what's being told to them. And yeah. So this is why, you know, I've kind of stayed more toward the renegade Pilates um, <laughs> world. Sorry about that. <laughs> but, you know, because then I, I can work it better the way I see it. Uh-huh. And uh, because, 
you know, honestly, I think it takes about two years to recover from any kind of surgery. Yeah. So, you know, like, you don't just, like, get over it. Right. So, Certainly. Uh, yeah. And a lot of things. You know, even for me, my injuries took me a long time to resolve. And, mm-hmm. um, so that's why I tell people when they come here, I mean, I'd rather see you, like, once a week for six weeks than the usual prescription is for somebody to go to PT, like, three times a week for two weeks. And I'm like, well, gosh, you know, you can't even see anybody go through any it, kind of stage. Right. Uh-huh. And, then, and then actually it's very hard to justify any physical therapy because it's past about six. Yeah. 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 I mean, I certainly see that. I mean, I see the challenge, uh, you know, and just talking to physical therapists that we've built relationships with that there, there is a lot of restriction in terms of what they're able to do, um, you know, confined by insurance requirements and, and, and other things. So it's, you know, in no way to blame, but, but to just see that the way the systems are and the way things have developed. And, um, you know, so, that's why I'm, that's why I think it takes a village is that you know there needs to be options for people and so the more that Pilates instructors can get uh, educated about special populations, mm-hmm. different aspects of things, it's not you know gosh you know work with their physical therapist. We'll have them go back after three months and get reevaluated and see if maybe they can tell you you know another avenue to you know that the Pilates instructor will go toward you know oh I didn't think about it that way let me help them with this you uh-huh. know. Um, so it's, I think that, you know, it can be mutually helpful, mm-hmm. but it, uh, but I think that, you know, people definitely have a lot more opportunity to spend a lot more time right. in a, with a Pilates person. Right. And you know, that's what is always my trouble in PT school. They kept telling me, Susan, stop looking at the whole body. Just look at that one part. I was like, you know, I don't understand. So, you know, I, I just... It doesn't make um, any sense to me. I didn't fit in very well. <laughs> so. Oh, it, um, I realize I've just been pronouncing your name wrong. I'm so sorry. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> I'm sure I'm you get from, that. You I'm get from New Orleans, so it has a French pronunciation. Uh-huh, Suzanne. Well, it's it's much more um, romantic sounding. There you go. I did want to ask you... Um, what have been some of your greatest challenges um, as a teacher in, in throughout your teaching career, and, and how how have you um, overcome them? This, you know, one of the other questions um, I had hoped to kind of uh, rally around was the idea of mentoring and mentorship, and I don't know if you might speak to how other mentors have played a part in your your development as a teacher or to help you overcome some of those teaching challenges. I'd love to hear about that. Well, you know, I've taught in lots of different venues. So we're talking about being a teacher. I mean, I've taught in convalescent homes. I've taught in colleges, universities. Um, I've taught in all these workshops. You know, it's in huge, vast about. I was even a teacher painting, believe it or not, when I first started. Uh-huh. But um, I, I think, um, and so some of my mentors were pe- were not people that were even you would think as mentors, but people I just spent a lot of time around uh-huh. that I, I, you know, just kind of watched what they did. Some of them were ballet instructors. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them were people that, you know, from college courses, uh, you know, it was and, and definitely all the people, I think every person that I've been with around Pilates, I mean, I've had a long-term relationship with a lot of these people, um, you know, just 
spending time and being observant. And I think when um, one of the things that's, uh, you know, difficult with some people who have approached me about different things just off the cuff, one is they automatically assume they'll Mm -hmm. come up to me and just, like, demand something and say, return my call right away or something like that. It's like, really? You know, uh, so it's it's surprising how much um, politeness helps going up to somebody and asking them. Um, But this is... But in terms of uh, mentoring, I mean, this is why I set it up as an official sort of thing. I mean, I definitely have had help people who have just come to me repetitively for their own problems, and then over time I'm teaching them about the whole thing, uh-huh. you know. Uh, so there's, it takes a lot of different forms, um, and I, I think it doesn't always have to be an official contract form right. of mentor and mentee, mm-hmm. but uh, just being willing to to go and spend some time with a person and not expecting that, you know, you might see them in a two-hour course and then thinking that you can just pump them with every question that, you know, is on your agenda and keep interrupting their program because I've had that happen to me. Uh-huh. Um, you know, which doesn't really endear, you know, somebody to you. Right. <laughs> uh, or, or correct me, you know, in the middle of, you know, when what they're saying is not true at all. Uh-huh. So I, I think, you know, if, if you want to be mentored, I think you have to be willing to listen a little bit and be teachable. Yes. Um, and so, you know, it, it's taught me too to try to listen where somebody's coming from. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also not to let people ramble too much, you know, and because, <laughs> uh, you know, I've had people who have shown up and then started talking and, and, and going into like wild permutations of thought and I'm uh, like man I, I, let me just stop you now yeah it's really going down a wrong road here uh-huh uh, so you know it's it's a tricky situation it's a special situation so it's something that you know I think you want to figure out if there's somebody you really want to spend time with figure out you know if, if uh and, that, and that's why I try to get people who actually want to be part of the specialization program to actually contact me ahead of time so I can see what their background is, uh-huh. see if it's a good fit. Yeah. Um, but, you know, definitely when I'm in my workshops or, you know, just kind of, you know, with the rehab summit with Balanced Body or whatever, you know, I'm trying to listen to people, but I'll, I may not be able to fit the mentoring role for them right then and there. Sure, Yeah. And in your own teaching career, are there any, you know, any major challenges that you feel like you've had to overcome yourself? Um, I've had huge challenges to overcome. I mean, you know, financial. Uh-huh. Um, I, I couldn't stop working in order to go to, go to you know, to, in order to do prerequisites for physical therapy school. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I've had to figure out how to, uh, and one of the best ways I almost figured out to, uh, to have access to Pilates and stuff was to begin to teach it, to join a staff, uh-huh. um, to get access to other people. So I, I think um, so the challenges are, you know, financial, time-wise, uh, time of life, uh-huh. you know. Um, my husband had a number of illnesses. Mm. Um, and so that's, you know, and so because of family situations, I mean, I didn't open up a big clinic like other people did. Uh-huh. Um so I, I think the thing is, life is never perfect, or it's like what John Lennon says, is that life is what happens when you're making other plans. That's right, yeah. 
<laughs> so that, you know, when people, you know, somebody who was like just just dying to take my specialization program and there was enough room last year and then she has to say that she now has something else to do and she'll do it next year. And I was like, well, you know, we'll let's see what happens. Uh-huh. You know, it's um, not that people don't have other things to do, but I think, um, you know, they kind of assume that everything else in the world will wait for when you have time. Uh-huh. So, so I've had to pick and choose in my own course along the way of what was available to me, and I keep weighing it out. Uh-huh. But I think uh, the biggest challenge is, is just, yeah, not having unlimited resources and unlimited time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it's such a reoccurring theme for for teachers. You know, the teachers that I have had the um, honor of teaching and working with and talking to, um, particularly through um you know, being on the faculty for Balanced Body has been such a lovely opportunity to connect with right. with teachers, um, you know, of all levels and 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 all vision and intention. And um, just through the Skillful Teaching Project, it's it, it is really challenging. Those two pieces is finding out how to move forward um, when financially it's you know you have obligations and mm-hmm. and time wise. So yeah, I think that's. Um, yeah, really can be very tricky for teachers, you know, to, to manifest the means and the, and the time. And for me, certainly the patience to, to just let life unfold and to be willing to do what I can when I can do it. I think setting goals though helps a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I guess I'm pretty type A and goal oriented and, um, you know, so I'm always looking to see what's the next step. And I think the biggest thing, and it is true, 50% of success is showing up. Uh-huh. So even if you're not able to afford, you know, something um, big, there's usually some kinds of, you know, Pilates meetings that are happening that you can just take advantage of, period, you know, right. and not have to spend a lot of money to participate in. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that, uh, and, and really, I think the online resources are just, like, over the top at this point. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, you can reach out to a lot of people. But I think just showing up physically, you know, do taking, the, you know, trying to allot a certain amount of time per year for professional development to get out of, you know, where just, you know, your own studio and to go out and do things. But, you know, there's a lot of volunteering that can happen mm-hmm. that will then just kind of you know, outreach that goes out to the community uh-huh. that um, that can then spur something that you didn't think that would be available to you. Right. Or, you know, so uh, I think it's being willing to participate and show up. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and just, we're going to just wrap things up. I don't want to keep you much longer, but if... Um, I have just two two final things I'd like to ask. Um, one is, if you could look back at yourself as a young teacher, what would be your advice to yourself in terms of navigating this path? Um, you know, honestly, um, I, I kind of think, you know, I, I looked at a lot of different things. Uh, you know, I have to say, I think I, I took my advice, if you don't mind me, saying that is that <laughs> I, or, or that people gave me advice one was just um you know do as many internships as you possibly can because that will help you to figure out what kind of environment you do not want to be in uh-huh right and um and 
and so, you know, somebody gave me that advice, and, and I, I really asked for a lot of help from people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I even got exchanged, you know, chemistry tutoring for, for Pilates classes. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah. I just was really resourceful. Um, I'm not too sure what other advice I could give myself. Maybe, I think the biggest advice, because I was really just nervous and worried about everything coming together, mm-hmm. was just to relax more in the process. Yeah. Yeah. And do you think, is, is there any, any one thing, I know this is kind of a, you know, a, a big task to narrow it to one thing, but um, it, looking at the up and coming teachers, particularly Pilates teachers, you know, perhaps expanding it to movement teachers of different kinds. Um, is there, is there something that you think our community of movement teachers really needs most right now? I mean, when you look around and you, you are certainly interacting with a lot of teachers at a lot of different levels, is there, is there something that you feel like, um, you know, we really need to work more toward? Well, I'll have to tell you that in the, you know, just enormous amount of years in kind of teaching in different conferences and different venues and things, I'm always just like astounded at the amount of creativity and wealth of ideas uh-huh. that people have come up with. I mean, I'm constantly just like flabbergasted uh-huh. <laughs> that there's this, you know, huge convergence of thought that's bringing a lot of kind of movement stuff forward. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that's been an interesting trend to watch is that, you know, and maybe this is your experience too, is that initially um, most of the parties instructors all came from like heavily movement background. Uh-huh. Um, types of things, and I do find that the um, younger teachers are not necessarily have that kind of movement background, uh-huh. and so they have sort of a different aesthetic around the movement, yeah. um, around the actual kind of um, Pilates uh, types of, of details. Uh-huh, right. Uh, and uh, so, so that's interesting. So, I mean, I, you know, in, in some ways I would recommend some of the younger people to cross-train a little bit, uh-huh. you know, and to, and to actually explore out to other movement paradigms. Um, yeah, uh, and then for uh, you know, but also I, I'm it's even if somebody has a different aesthetic than what you do, I'm just really for those of us that are maybe the older ones is to keep our minds open. That golly, you know, a lot of younger people are, are have different experiences and are coming up with a lot more either technological or in terms of just how to. Um, of, of how people are processing mm-hmm. the, uh, the instruction now mm-hmm. is different. Uh, yeah. You know, that things change over time Yeah, with the generation. Uh-huh. Uh, so I think that, um, that, you know, more and more we need to embrace more technology to help us and that, that we can use the technology to help fill in the gaps to explain people to things anatomically, even if we don't think we have the full anatomical knowledge or biomechanical knowledge. There's a lot of resources that help us to explain that without having to be a surgeon. Uh huh. Yeah. Right. Well, thank you, Suzanne. Suzanne. <laughs> Habit. I. I really. People say my mispronounce my name all the time, and it. Um, it typically doesn't bother me, but then you know, at some point, I, I do get a little irritated. So I try to be very conscientious about that. So my apologies again, Suzanne, and thank you so much. It was just such a pleasure to talk with you. 
wonderful yeah. to get to know you a little bit better and to know your work. Um, I hope that the teachers that do listen to the interview, I'm sure they will just get so much out of it. And I hope that they will use you um, in the future as a resource. I myself hope to use you as a resource and to learn from you uh, in a greater way at some point in the future. So just thank you so much for your time. I'm, I'm really grateful. Well, I appreciate it. And it was really a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah. Well, hopefully we'll be in touch and um, have a wonderful day. Same to you. All right. Thanks, Suzanne. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.